The race to 5G is on, and the battle for talent is getting fierce. Welcome to 5G Talent Talk with Carrie Charles, a podcast dedicated to helping you face the future workforce head on. Navigate this challenging talent landscape with innovative strategies to attract, retain, and engage people in this new world of work. Only here on 5G Talent Talk with Carrie Charles, CEO of Broadstaff Talent Solutions. I'm so glad you're here with me today on 5G Talent Talk. I'm Carrie Charles, your host, and I would like to introduce you to my special guest, Chris Pearson. He is the president of 5G Americas. Chris, thanks for joining me today. Oh, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. Yes. So I really want to hear about your story because I know you have been at the same organization for a very, very long time. So what led you to your current seat today? What led me to my current seat today is would be really telecom was in my blood. My mom worked for Ma Bell when I was in high school and college. So I kind of saw that telecom career has a lot of interesting technology. At the time, we were just starting to see the breakup of what was going to happen as far as the networks here in the United States. After college, then I started at a wireline company, but soon realized that wireless was the future. And one of my old bosses that had just moved to McCall Cellular, which was a one of the early national cellular providers in the United States, he reached out to me and then basically my career just started there and took off. And previously to this position, I mean, I'm at 5G Americas, but we've been 4G Americas and 3G Americas. Previous to that, I actually led a organization similar to this, but it was for a different technology. This was back in the days of 2G and 3G. So so then how long have you been at, what was it, 3G, 4G, 5G Americas? How many years? I've been over 20 years. So wow. it's been quite a career here in really just seeing all the changes as we move from 3G to 4G to 5G. But I've just kind of felt like there's so many interesting things and so many areas for me to always to keep improving and, and learning and helping the industry. So yeah, it's been over 20 years. Well, let's get into it a little bit. Tell us more about 5G Americas. What does the organization do? Yeah. So 5G Americas is an industry association. So we're comprised of both operators and vendors in this 5G wireless ecosystem. And what they do is they come to collab- together to collaborate, to move the industry forward. And we move the, for- the industry f- forward in three areas. We have three foundational areas that we work in. One, we, we do what's called technical facilitation and coordination. So we don't write industry standards, but we definitely are, are trying to explain them and contribute and also make sure that we can all work from the same page of the playbook to move forward. A second area that we work in is regulatory policy and public affairs and that working with governments throughout the Americas region, North, Central, and South America to, to really make sure that the policies are allowing mobile wireless to continue and to progress. And finally, we do a lot of industry education. So we work with industry media, industry analysts to make sure that they fully understand this great technology we have, where we are and where we're going. So it's an industry association trying to progress mobile communications forward. So where are we today with the 5G rollout in the U.S.? And can you talk a bit about some of the biggest challenges facing 5G today? Oh, certainly. Yeah. Two-part question. So we've made great progress around the world in North America and the U.S. as far as 5G. So I'll just start it with a big high-level global. So 5G has been deployed. There's 273 5G networks around the world. In North America, we have 14 5G networks. So we've seen just a great amount of progress as far as the deployments of 5G. As far as the U.S., we are actually a 
leader. We're one of the leaders in 5G as far as deployments and connections and so forth. And in fact, if you look at the U.S., we're covering over 325 million potential customers in the United States. So we're making great progress. Globally, 1.2 billion for 5G connections. And we expect by the end of 2023, that's going to end up to be 1.9 billion. So mm. as far as 5G globally and even 5G in the United States, we're making great progress. And it's, it's a really, it's a great story. That's fantastic. Has there been anything that has impacted that rollout specifically just in the past, maybe six months, maybe six to nine months? Yeah, yeah, there has been, you know, kind of getting back to your question, there have been challenges. There's challenges when you bring new technology to the marketplace. But one of the things for our industry or mobile communications, some of the challenges are things like cell siting regulations and trying to streamline those cell site regulations. So when you look at 5G or cellular technologies to get the capacity, to get the coverage, you need more cell sites and more density. So what happens is we are always trying to hopefully get more streamlined regulations. So allow us to build more cell sites and provide you know, even improved customer service. Another challenge that we've had is what's called spectrum. And radio spectrum for all your listeners really is the fuel for our industry. It's our lifeblood. And what it does is it allows us to provide the capacity in an efficient way to customers. So uh, spectrum has, has been a challenge in the United States. We need actually more spectrum. It's called uh, the sweet spot of spectrum today for 5G is something called mid-band spectrum. And that gives us both the capacity and the coverage that we need. There is the challenge of that. And we're hoping that the U.S. government can move forward with a national spectrum pipeline plan and get us to where we need to be as far as more mid-band spectrum coming online. So what are your thoughts on the current state of the wireless industry? And we've seen a slowdown. Will it bounce back in 23, 24? What do you think? I think, you know, there has been some ups and downs when it comes to really when people look at 5G, some say, you know, there's skeptics out there that have said, well, we you know, you overpromised a bit or things like that. I'm actually quite positive about the industry. When you look at the technology innovation that came with 5G, as far as what 5G can enable for the future, it takes time. It takes a while. And we've done a great job of the first be called the te technical network rollouts, but everything's a challenge. And so you look at where we want to be. Yeah, we're not quite there yet. I mean, I'd say if we're, it's a baseball season here. If it was a nine inning baseball game, we're probably in about the fourth inning of that baseball game. We've done the, the network deployments. We've gotten quite a bit of spectrum out into the market, although we need more, but it takes a while to get to what would be considered the, the solutions basis. And the solutions are the new use cases that we want to address in the future. But you know, overall, I'm positive about 5G and what it's done and where it's going. But I do think there's a lot more to the story in the next you know, two or three years. Sounds like we need to have some patience, huh? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, it's easy to be skeptical, but if you start to consider, as we mentioned in the early part of this this interview, I've been in the industry a long time. And I remember we were in, you know, kind of the 2G and 3G story. And we were talking about, you know, download rates in 2G of like 28 kilobits per second on 3G, you know, higher than that. But we're going, literally, we've gone from 20 years ago doing 100 kilobits per second to today doing 100 megabits per second. There's a lot of really positive stories. They don't always get reported about how well our industry has performed. But overall, yes, there really is a lot of great things that can happen in the future. Well, let's talk about some of those great things. So share some 5G use cases. And what would you say 
what vertical markets would benefit the most? There's going to be many that have the potential to be really great use cases. I think out of the gate, what we're seeing is one of the use cases that's been very important to the industry and the customers has been the idea of how we consume data and the fact that fixed wireless access has been a big use case for 5G at this point. And what that does gives a, an alternate way or an additional competitive player for providing to your home or business mobile broadband service. And so we're seeing that is one of the use cases that's been quite popular and taken off. Another one uh, that I think that comes to mind is to look at industrial kind of the manufacturing and the manufacturing area is just uh, at the tip of its iceberg where factories are starting to understand that they don't need as many cables, that they don't necessarily need as much as far as other types of communications that they can all do it, what's called mobile wireless. And mo mobile wireless will be really private enterprise network for their solution at their factory and beyond. Um, so those are just a couple, but there's others that I don't want to get into all of them, but you know, things like how our cities operate, I think is going to be changing in the next five years where there's going to be many more things done efficiently in our cities. And they are going to be really smart cities where everything's connected and much more seamless as far as operations of your city. So I want to get into that a little bit more because you mentioned private 5G networks as well as 5G for fixed wireless access. But can you explain the advantages of using 5G for fixed wireless access compared to, let's say, traditional wired broadband solutions. Can you expand on that? There's a lot of different areas. So for fixed wireless access to your home, what you're doing is what we're seeing from the third-party studies that have been done is people are choosing it because, number one, it's an additional competitive player into the marketplace and providing very good broadband speeds to them. Number two, usually at a very good value point for the home competitive market or mobile broadband versus fixed broadband. And number three, there's there's a lot of places that still aren't able to get the broadband coverage that they need on a basically wired basis. So fixed wireless provides the ability to get to that customer that doesn't have it before. So that would be more like a like a home you know type of atmosphere. Now, from a private enterprise network side, there are things where that would be uh, more of a solutions system. So when you look at what it can do as far as private enterprise using 5G, you have a, a bit more control of your network because you are in, in control of the spectrum and you're in control of everything that's happening in your private enterprise. You also, because of that control, you might have improved connectivity and reliability liability because again you basically have your dedicated spectrum for the private enterprise network even things like increased security and data privacy can be increased because of your control of that network private enterprise mobile wireless network. So we talked a little bit about actually a lot about spectrum so far but I want to get a little deeper here and talk about maybe specific spectrum challenges that are facing the US obviously in the context of 5G deployment, how it's of impacting the rollout of the technology. So just maybe dig in a little further because I know that this has been major challenge and will continue to be. Yeah, so as I mentioned, Spectrum is, is really one of the key ingredients for 5G mobile communications. So just as it was for you know 4G. In the US particularly, we've had a few challenges. And, and one of them is basically what's called the FCC, Federal Communications Commission, has always had for as long as I've been in, in this industry, which is a long time, what's called auction authority. And that is the ability to basically auction or identify and allocate an auction spectrum and even assign it after it's been paid. Right 
now our Congress has allowed that auction authority at the FCC to to expire. So our industry is kind of in a holding pattern with the FCC as far as what they can do with spectrum that they've already been told that they should be assigning and auctioning. So that's a, a real key impediment to the future. And I am hopeful, very hopeful that our Congress realized the importance of the FCC having the auction authority. They've they've had it, as I mentioned, for as long as I can remember. And I'm hopeful that very soon that the FCC will get that back. Another area of major concern in the United States, this idea of uh, NTIA, which is a part of basically managing the or manages the federal spectrum portfolio, really needs to continue to work hard, as they're doing, to come up with a national spectrum plan. And that national spectrum plan would be the future kind of planning and the future kind of roadmap spectrum for the United States, as far as which specific bands that are going to be identified and cleared and then auctioned and managed by the FCC at a later date. So there's a couple pieces here that are very uh, challenging at this time. And I'm very hopeful that very soon, both the FCC auction authority will be reinstated by Congress. And I'm hopeful that very soon NTIA will have a national spectrum plan. Now, this question may go hand in hand with the last, but can you talk more about the role of government policies and regulations in fostering 5G innovation as well as investment in the U.S.? Yeah, we're seeing um, quite a bit of positive things that are happening through you know governments and, and specifically in the United States. Um, we right now have a program to try to connect with broadband, you know, all Americans. It's called the BEADS program, which is a lot of funding to connect America, basically. And so we're seeing about $42 billion is assigned to that program. What we want on that program, as an example, would be to make sure that mobile wireless and fixed wireless have an opportunity to compete and show what we can do. We think fiber is a great technology, but also we do understand that fixed wireless should play a role in that. Governments need to find ways to basically encourage investment, encourage the opportunity for mobile wireless for trusted entities to participate. And they need to look at the various areas for, and specifically mobile wireless, how important we are to jobs and the economy. So when it comes to Mobile wireless, as an example, streamlining cell site processes is key to us, uh, trying to make sure that we can build our networks the way we need to, to be competitive on, on just not in the U.S., but competitive on a worldwide basis as far as technology. Being able to have more radio spectrum is critical. So a, a roadmap for spectrum in the future is key to us to make sure that, again, we can compete, not just the United States, but compete in the world stage for technology and innovation. Also, when looking at government programs that have real impact on Americans and what their mobile broadband or broadband capabilities are, make sure that mobile wireless communications or cellular wireless is one of the areas, uh, solutions that are available to the states as well as the customers in programs that are funded in, in, from the U.S. federal budget. So there's lots of areas that are important to mobile wireless that the government is participating in and can help us to make sure that we continue to be not only a mobile wireless leader in the world, but also a technology leader in the world. Well, I'm getting inspired so far. So lots of positivity. And I love that. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. We need more inspired people throughout the world, right? We do. We do. So how would you say that 5G networks contribute to sustainable development 
and also to environmental conservation efforts. Yeah, so when you, 5G is a more efficient technology than our previous technologies, 4G, 3G, 2G. So it utilizes less power than what we've built as far as our previous network. So number one, that that's critical to all of us that, that understands this technology and wants to make sure that our, our planet is preserved for, uh, from a, a ecological reasons. Also, if you look at how people are more efficient in their personal lives and business lives, I think it's, it's actually not stated enough, but how we live our lives because of our smartphone and because uh, we're always connected and the efficiencies that we get in those areas is actually underrated and underreported. We're more efficient in our lives. And because we're more efficient, we do use you know, less energy in many parts of our lives. So the fact that, again, 5G uses you know less energy, we also are continuing to develop in our standards new ways to save energy for the future. And then finally, this idea that you know we're more efficient in all of our lives. And part of that is an equation that doesn't get reported enough, I think, or needs to be studied more is that we're more efficient in our lives. So one topic that's that's on everybody's mind with 5G is security. So what are unique security challenges with uh, 5G networks and how are they being addressed? Yeah, so 5G is the most secure mobile network that we've ever developed. It's more secure than 1G, 2G, 3G. 4G and 5G. The challenges that we address really start with what would be considered our standards processes at 3GPP, which does the standards for 5G, as well as our best practices that come throughout our industry. So that would be the first thing. The second that we work very hard is what's called enhanced encryption, enhanced authentication. So these are two areas that we all know that are, you know, I guess I would say the bad entities are always trying to be get to us on. And we continue to develop enhanced encryption and authentication. Also, as an industry, we look at, and this has happened very specifically uh, during the COVID-19, even was already starting to kind of float to the top would be Uh, looking at the supply chain, understanding the supply chain risks and making sure that we have what's called trusted entities that are providing our communication services and capabilities as far as equipment goes in our network. So the U.S. government has been working very hard to with our industry to make sure that we have supply chain that have what are called trusted entities. And then finally, in areas like 5G Americas, where we do security papers, GSM Association, other key associations around the world, looking at collaboration and information sharing about security and what your risk might be and how we can make sure that we are staying with safe and successful mobile communications network and one step ahead of the bad entities. But yes, 5G, there are challenges. There's more threats to 5G than ever before because we're connecting more devices in new and better ways than ever before. So the threat surfaces is what actually larger as we connect more devices. But at the same time, our standards, our best practices, our technological capabilities improve to make our, our network secure. So Chris, some analysts talk about whether or not 5G rollouts have been worth it. So what do you say to that? I think there's a lot of skeptics in the world and I'm kind of laughing because I think at any time when you consider taking a leap in technology, as we've done from 4G to 5G, it takes time and it takes time to move from not just putting out networks, maybe putting a smartphone in your device, which would be kind of a, which would be considered more of a transactional process 
to more of a solutions process takes time. And so, yeah, there's some skeptics out there in the marketplace. But what I would say is that we're in the fourth inning of a nine inning baseball game, or we're in a football game, we're only in the second quarter of a four quarter game. So there's a lot to be done with 5G. And I think that we're going to get there. I also like to point out that 5G is the fastest growing mobile technology in the history of mobile communication. So we have grown faster than 1G, 2G, 3G, or 4G. We are the fastest growing technology, mobile communications technology in the history. We also, if you look at by the end of this year, worldwide on a smartphone, your global usage or, or mobile usage data will be 20 gigabits per month for, a, for an average user. So people that have 5G are using 5G more than ever. Our networks are being deployed. Our solutions are, again, we're in the fourth inning of a nine inning baseball game. So I would say, was it worth it? Absolutely. We are in the, the era of technology innovation and this technology innovation has just begun. So I know we're in the fourth inning, but we all want to know what's next. And I have to ask you about 6G. How will advances in 6G impact this 5G story? Is it going to be like past Gs? I mean, let us get out your crystal ball. <laughs> <laughs> if I had a crystal ball for thinking about 6G uh, or IMT 2030, as ITU is going to call it, it's really a little bit too early to know exactly what it's going to do and how it's going to do it. Um, there's been a lot of academic research. We have a lot of companies in, at 5G Americas that are doing research on it as well. We've written papers on it as well as other associations. And we all know it at some point it will be defined about what it can do and how it can do it. But you know, it's hard to know how it will change things. My expectation from some of the research papers is it will basically, you know, look to, you know, access more spectrum capabilities. It will have improved coverage areas that will and more interoperability with other technologies. But if I had the crystal ball to know exactly what it is at this time, that would be great. But reading the different research papers, um, we're still early in the process. And what I would say is this, that 5G will provide a foundation for 6G. In all the papers that I've read about 6G or what it could be, again, because we don't have what really what we know is what it's going to be yet. What I see is a lot of what 5G is building right now will be in 6G. And so I would say it's early on 6G. We all know that it's being talked about. It is a new buzzword. We're just starting to see things shape, but there's been no standards developed yet on it. And we're just at the tip of the iceberg on what it could be, but probably improvement from what 5G can do. But I think 5G is really building that foundation for what probably will be, again, we're all guessing what probably will be 6G and 5G is going to be showing us the way for that. So Chris, this has just been wonderful. I've learned a lot. And where can we learn more about 5G Americas? Oh yeah, we can learn more at 5Gamericas.org. That's 5Gamericas.org. There's a great amount of white papers, press releases on the technology and other presentations that you can find lots of information there. And it'd be great yeah, if you're uh, your listeners could look at our website and uh, learn more about our industry. Yes, I know I will. Chris, thanks so much for coming on the show today. Well, thanks for having me and, and have a great week. You take care. Thank you. Thank you for listening to another informative episode of 5G Talent Talk brought to you by RCR Wireless News, Telecom Careers, and Broadstaff Talent Solutions. 
As we advance into the future, we promise to bring you the resources you need to navigate this ever-changing landscape of 5G to help you attract, retain, and engage people in this new world of work. To access the show notes or leave a review, visit broadstaffglobal.com. Until next time.